Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. You know, the hybrid office is a hot topic this year. Enterprises are asking how to make the hybrid office more effective, more productive, how to give great experience. And I tell you, for this reason, I'm very happy to be speaking with Jim Callback. He's author, TED Talk speaker, chief evangelist, employee number five at Mural, a company that is 100% focused on improving productivity, enabling collaboration in our meetings. I mean, that's where we spend so much of our time. So, And that's true regardless of where the participants are located, whether physical conference room, at hotels, at home, or on the road. So, Jim Callback, welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. Yeah, thanks for that, Weston, and thanks for having me on the show. Glad to be here. I, I tell you, I've really been wanting to talk with you about this for two, two big reasons. One, your company, Mural, has a great product that enables collaboration. So there's just the technology side of things, but also, and I'm going to say even more importantly, is your company has figured out some really great ways to make collaboration work. And I think this is really important because like we've been talking about a move to hybrid as if hybrid is something new. The reality is most of us have already had some form of hybrid office before the pandemic. It's just that the experience was pretty crummy (laughs) and we didn't care. But I think now we have to care. So if Mural has found the secret sauce, I want to know what it is. My first question for you, I said at the beginning, you're employee number five. I think that qualifies you to tell us a little bit about what Mural does and uh, some of the growth that you've experienced over the last couple of years. I've been in remote collaboration for almost a decade now. Uh, prior to this, I worked for Citrix, the makers of GoToMeeting, but now at Mural for six and a half years, and it was to some degree, fulfilling for us that our mission suddenly became hyper-relevant during the pandemic. And a lot of the things that we believed in and were, and were talking about to our customers were suddenly front and center in their minds. So we believe we had, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a tool that can help people. Technically, Mural is a, what we call a digital whiteboard or a virtual whiteboard. And it really complements, I think, other collaboration solutions out there. It doesn't just duplicate those things or replace them. It actually adds another layer of conversation, and that is visual. The interaction is a lot like Google Maps. You zoom in and out of this virtual whiteboard right in your browser, but the map is of your thoughts. The map is of your conversation. And there are virtual sticky notes and other elements that you can bring onto the canvas. And the cool thing about it and why I'm highlighting that it complements other modes of collaboration is that you can have a whole visual conversation going on while you're meeting, while you're looking at people and talking to people. There can be this other talk track, quote unquote, that's visual. So what Mural really allows you to do is visualize your work. And our customers told us that. They said, thank you so much. My workshop would have failed. My team wouldn't have been able to survive the pandemic without you guys. So so that's great. But no doubt about it, it pretty much altered the course of the company on every level in terms of financial, uh, the number of customers, our usage went up, and the number of employees went up. We were about, at this time last year, probably hovering around 150 employees, and now we're over 600. Mm. We got Series C funding, um, so there's a lot of attention on us and our space as well, too. So the pandemic really kind of accelerated our maturity from a startup teenager to a, to a young adult almost overnight. One of my colleagues likes to say, 
we're an overnight success that was 10 years in the making. <laughs> so I can imagine with that, that rapid growth, uh, number of employees and everybody being remote at this point in time, you've had to think a lot about uh, productivity, collaboration. You've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I mean, as I, as I alluded to at the beginning, we already had some level of hybrid office. We've had people being able to dial in and things like that. It's just that the experience for the remote participants has always been terrible <laughs> at best, right? And we just didn't care. But now with 30, 40, like you've got a, right now, 100% of your participants being remote. And as you look to the future, that may change. It's really time, I think, to do a better job with hybrid collaboration. So can you talk a little bit about some of the reasons why collaboration in meetings is just so poor in general? Right. Right. The point is, and you kind of made it there, Weston, is we can't return to our old ways in general when we do end up in these hybrid situations, which is, you know, there'll be a few people who might be at the headquarters or on location, you know, in a meeting room together, and then other folks dialed in. As you pointed out, in the past, we got that wrong. And one way that I like to show that is I ask the question, if you've ever been in a meeting where you had a mixed group of people, some in-person, some remote, and the in-person team forgot to dial up the remote team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and everybody smirks and smiles just like you did. That's the reaction that I get almost universally because we've almost all experienced that. You get together and the people in the room look around and they say, there's Weston and there's Bob. And then, you know, okay, let's start the meeting. And five or 10 minutes in, they go, oh, we forgot to dial in Jane or whoever it is, right? And I think the reason for this is what I call a here and a there mentality, that we're here, we're at the company headquarters, we're here, the other people are there, right? So there's almost two classes of meeting citizens. There's the here people and the there people. Uh, and you know, when I say we're going back to the office, but we can't go back to our old ways, we can't have the here and the there mentality. Decisions aren't made until you've heard of everybody on the phone, right? How many times have you been in a call where you're just listening to a room, have a conversation and make decisions? And the opposite of what I just said is before they hang up, they say, Weston, did you have anything to say? You've been on the call for an hour and a half here, right? So we got to change that practice as well, too. And I think there are tools and things out there to help this, but a lot of it is about practice and, and behaviors and rituals and, and just sensibilities that the teams bring with us. And that's what I'm saying, that we need to bring the sensibility that we have to collaborate remote and digitally, and we have to bring that into our new hybrid meetings that we're all heading into. That leads in well, I think, to what we want to talk about next. I attended a webinar that you conducted on Harvard Office a couple of weeks ago, and I made a couple of notes on one of the things you said, that there's really five Ps that affect collaboration, have an impact. There's the product or the tools, the place, where you are, HQ or home, like you said, the policies, the people, things like onboarding and training. And then there's the practice or processes. I'd like to really focus in on that a little bit, the practice of the rules of engagement. In particular, you said something that I found really intriguing. If I've got it right, you said the hardest part about hybrid is ripping apart your old rules of engagement and making new ones. Now, can you unpack that a bit for us, Jim? We kind of just did that in the pandemic when we sent everybody home, right? We, okay, now there's new rules of engagement. And guess what? We struggled with that because of things like Zoom fatigue. Where did Zoom fatigue come from? Well, we just tried to mirror our in-person meeting behaviors. We do, Everything just got moved over to Zoom. We didn't reinvent what a meeting was. We just said, oh, we would have met in person. Now we're going to meet on Zoom, right? Yeah, we just transposed it. 
But what we should have been thinking is, what could I do asynchronously? Does that even need to be a meeting? Okay, we are going to meet. How are the rules of engagement going to be different? Because in the physical office, the office space and just going to and being in the office actually directs a lot of our activity as a group. Right. I sit over here. I work over, you know, on, on one side of the building and heads down and people know there are rules of engagement for me there. When I'm in uh, a meeting room, there are rules of engagement, how I behave there and when I get up and go over to that meeting room. And then there's break rooms and going in and out of the office. And a lot of our interaction with our colleagues is actually regulated by the building itself. This is what we learned during the pandemic. When you rip that off, what are the rules of engagement now? So what I'm saying now is we have to relearn things again. For instance, the meeting doesn't start until all the participants are dialed in and acknowledged, right? So there needs to be a check-in ritual, right? Are we all here before we start talking? Right. But I think even things like how do we make decisions? How do we have a discussion? How do we take turns? How do we diverge in our thinking and then converge in our thinking? We kind of need to rethink those motions. It's not rocket science. All I'm saying is it takes a little bit of intentionality. So you just asked a lot of questions. Yeah, sorry about that. That leads in nicely to what I want to get to next. Okay, you, you hit a lot of questions. How do we initiate the meeting or welcome everybody, have the rituals, have inclusion and be able to have a productive meeting? I'm going to bounce that back to you. How do we do it? What are some practical examples that you found uh, at Mural that that are working effectively or as you work with clients? Yeah, I mean, two two simple examples, a check-in. Uh, a check-in is something that you want to do at the top of an interaction, whether it's a meeting, a workshop, status you know, meeting, whatever that info share, whatever that might be, that you take a second to check in and acknowledge everybody who is there and give a, an opportunity to compare your invite list to the actual attendee list as well too, right? Are we all here? It could be having everybody, for instance, say hello and then pass the ball to somebody else to say hello or something like that. It might only take 30 seconds or a minute. So if you're doing that on a regular basis, then what you have is a connection between the remote folks and the folks who are in person. So that hybridness starts to dissolve because you've acknowledged everybody's presence and you haven't started the meeting and forgetting to dial in the remote participants. If you're using Mural, I'll just give you a quick example. We have something that we like to call pick your Nick. And it's a, it's a grid of nine characters of Nicolas Cage from different <laughs> movies. Okay. So it's a Nicolas Cage, almost a Brady Bunch, nine, you know, three by three thing. And you grab a sticky note and you put your name on a sticky note and we say, which Nicolas Cage are you? And you have to declare whether, you know, from all these different movies, he has all these kind of bizarre characters. So you can say whether you're the angry Nicolas Cage or the excited (laughs) Nicolas Cage, right? Everybody comes there and the remote folks can do this too. You grab this uh, virtual sticky note and you declare which Nicolas Cage you are today. And and I think that's important just to interject there a little bit that that everybody does that, right? It's not just for the remote users, just for the ones in the room. It it now creates some, some inclusion and unity by doing where everybody's doing it. Plus, then you have everybody's name in one place. When you have folks who are in the room and then remote, sometimes it's really hard for the remote people to know who's actually in the room, right? The webcams aren't right and things like that, which, by the way, you need to get right. Let's get the webcams right so that I can see everybody's face in the room because very often you're just looking down at tops of heads. So do the remote people know everybody who's in the room, right? And if you do a check-in, then you have to acknowledge everybody's there and vice versa, that you want to also give the folks who are in the room, a little bit of sensitivity and empathy for the folks who are online and acknowledge their presence as well, too. Uh, Another example is turn-taking. Turn-taking can be very painful on remote calls 
You've probably had this many times where nobody says anything because they're waiting for the other person or three people talk at the same time. Right. (laughs) Right. And then in a hybrid situation, it's even worse because the folks who are in the room, they can talk at a faster pace than the folks who are remote. So what you end up having, if you have like an hour long meeting, by the end of the meeting, the folks in the room are talking to each other and the folks on the phone are listening in right? Mm, mm-hmm. If you institute a turn-taking mechanism where everybody gets a chance to speak and maybe you cycle through a list of names, right? Uh, where everybody gets a chance to speak or give a vote or give their status update or whatever you're trying to do, but to actually ritualize turn-taking, then you'll also avoid some of the pitfalls of hybrid collaboration. One that we uh, are, are still developing, but we call it ping-ponging, where if I'm remote, I have to then pick somebody who's in person, then they would, you know, either give their vote or their status update or whatever the, their turn is. And then when they're done, they have to pick a remote participant. And when they're done, they have to pick somebody who's in the room. We call that ping pong, where the last person that goes that picks, but it has to be somebody who's across from you. Right. And I could see where that, that would be so useful. I mean, that forces everyone to be listening. Right. Well, you have to remember who went, but you also yeah. have to know all the names of the people in the room. Again, there's that acknowledgement of who's there. Right. Very true. Yeah. These are some excellent examples. I think we can all relate to the, the pains that you're describing there and, and the great suggestions you have here for how to avoid those. One thing that I, I know is true, especially early on um, moving to remote was, and not everybody had video. So in many cases, it's an audio only experience, if not for everybody, at least for some people. And you have indicated that really you can take advantage of both visual and audio in your brain. And if you have access to both of those senses, the power of collaboration increases. I mean, can you explain how that works exactly? There's a couple of things that can happen. First is you can actually offload some of your cognition visually. It's why Albert Einstein would put all his you know, equations on a blackboard and take a step back, right? Because to have all of those connections in your brain at the same time actually will overload your brain. So you can actually make thinking easier by saying, oh, we had an idea one, Let's put it out on the board. Idea two, idea three, idea four. How does idea four now connect to idea one? I don't have to keep idea one and two and three in my brain all at the same time. You can internalize your thinking by visualizing your problems. And here at Mural, we visualize every conversation that we have. We almost never get on a call and are just talking and have webcams on. There's always this other track of visualizing the conversation, right? Because you can bring in materials and ideas. And the other thing about it is multiple people can do that simultaneously because it's a cloud-based application. The whole team could be in the canvas at the same time. So anybody could, quote unquote, say something visually if you have that visualization of the conversation going on at the same time. You don't have to wait to raise your hand. You don't have to wait for your turn. You can put your idea down. And the human brain is able to do that as well, too. I'm able to have a conversation and doodle at the same time. Mm-hmm. And here's how I like to think about it, Weston. You can double the brain power of your company by having them meet and collaborate and talk in words and, and, and conversations and then also visualize what they're thinking at the same time. And I get the feeling, Jim, there's just so much. We could really talk for another hour about this. I mean, we haven't talked about interaction spots, storytelling, facilitators, but uh, I I would like to get to the fifth P in your list of, of the five P's that affect great collaboration. And that was people. So let's, let's talk about that, that part of it. Um, A big problem that enterprises have, I, I just hear this all the time is onboarding, especially now as we're, you know, in a market where it's a little bit harder to even attract people and keep them. So 
one of the things I think that people worry about is, well, I've got to onboard people quickly and they need to absorb the culture. They need to know our norms, the rules of engagement you just talked about. Uh, you know, at Mural, you've like doubled, right? In the last year or so, you've got to really have some stories about onboarding. Can you talk about your process a little bit? Yeah. And I know a lot of companies have an onboarding program, often by, you know, HR or people ops team. And that's something else you need to examine. Is that onboarding program remote friendly for somebody who's not there or even hybrid friendly? So going back and looking at your onboarding program and making that as optimized as possible for a distributed uh, situation. And by the way, I think it's best to assume that first. In other words, if you think, okay, I'm going to optimize this program, assuming that nobody's together in the room, it's way easier to take that program and then make it suitable when everybody is present, if that ever happens, than to go the other way around. In other words, if you conceive of your, your, your methods of interaction to be assuming in-person collaboration, it's hard to switch over to a distributed mode of collaboration, right? So I would always say, let's take your onboarding program and assume that the team is distributed. Let's optimize for that, right? And then if they are in person, then you still have it set up. But I think it takes a lot of intentionality, right? You have to build in rituals. So how, how do people meet in person and get to know each other? How might you do that online? And there might be a a speed dating like uh, event, right? For all the new people who come in, right? Let's okay, let's have them with breakout groups in Zoom or something like that. Let's have them all cycle through each other. And the space and the office might actually provide those rules of engagement there, the interaction platform. When you take that away and you're trying to do it in a digital way or a distributed way, you have to come up with those little rules, right? So why not make it fun at the same time too, Weston? Right. Good, a good example. Now I know that you've also been successful with you know retreats. Uh, you know, if you think back through this last year, in-person retreats have taken a big hit, right? Yeah. But you've been conducting remote retreats. Virtual retreats, yes. It, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? I'm, and I've been in Zoom <laughs> meetings all week, and now I'm invited to a, a retreat in Zoom. That, now, that can't be too much fun, right? Or, or, or is it? Tell me about it. Well, it was a blast, actually. I was stunned by what our organizing team was able to put on for... We've done two virtual retreats now. The thing about a retreat, though, yeah, it's going to a nice location, right? You know, something, uh, a different, a different city or a different location out off-site, right, often. But it's also just time to take time out and celebrate yourselves, celebrate the team, celebrate the company, get to know each other, right? So if you look at a retreat through that lens and then rebuild a retreat so that people get to meet each other, so that teams get to be celebrated, so that the company gets to be highlighted, and if you just kind of intentionally redesign that, you can absolutely do it on Zoom. And of course, we used Mural as a platform. The first one that we did was about three and a half to four hours long, a couple of breaks in there, right? And we did it all as a company. And it was quite it was quite stunning what we were able to accomplish in terms of cohesion, in terms of social connections. The theme was travel. We gave everybody a passport. And what they had to do was meet other people and get their stamp. Um, so there was a little contest of, you know, who could get the most stamps on their virtual passport and things like that. We also had a lot of uh, fun games and activities, but we even sent home a package of swag to folks, including an eye mask and some other things that we pretended like we were on a plane together at one point in time. And everybody <laughs> had the same Zoom background of being on a plane. So imagine this Zoom call with, you know, 
50 or more webcams and everybody's got the same virtual background and it's looking outside of a plane and then everybody puts an eye mask on right and then somebody told us a story and they were playing music and then we took the eye mask off and then we took something else out of the little swag bag that we had sent home so there was a lot of symbolism and connection made us feel like we were a team right the second virtual retreat that we did together, we actually had no plenary sessions. It was basically two days of signing up for different activities. And sometimes there was six colleagues there. Sometimes there'd be 30 colleagues there, depending on the session. But we basically had this series of activities where we were colliding with each other in all kinds of ways. There was magic tricks. We had drawing. There was dancing. I think they had a cocktail mixing session as well, too. We were talking about business and you know some things relevant to the business as well, too. But it was, uh, you know, it was basically this kind of almost an asynchronous event to get around time zones. We were never together all at once at the same time. But we had this series of activities that you could all sign up for. I think we've, we've almost had a sensory overload here with the description <laughs> of cool things that you're talking about to improve collaboration and, and, and productivity. So, um, you know, as, as we kind of take a step back and maybe to my concluding question for you here would be, you know, especially for our listeners, they're hearing all these things you're talking about. Where should they start as they're thinking about, you know, the new rules of engagement, making a hybrid office that is really productive? Well, I would say don't start with the tools, which might sound weird coming from a guy that sells tools or works for a company that sells tools, right? The tools enable certain behaviors, right? So I'm not going to say the tools are, are unimportant, but you can do more with the tools that you have right now than you're actually doing with them. Uh, the problem is looking at your own behavior and your own practices and trying to reinvent those. And one thing that you might want to do is make a list of all of the types of interactions that you have with your colleagues. There's a one-on-one -on -one with my manager. We have a meeting and that might have different parts, right? There's a status report at the beginning of it, and then there might be decision-making at the end of it. Just list out those different types of interactions that you have with your team and think about ways to approach them to make them remote-friendly or hybrid-friendly is a better way to frame that, right? But also ask questions like, what can be done async? Does that even need to be done together? Do I need to do my status updates? Well, no, actually, I can just record a video of me doing that or send around the PowerPoint, and then we just get together for the decision-making. So to really look at, you know, from a human standpoint, but a systematic way of just going through the types of meetings and interactions that you have and questioning, are we doing that the best way? So here's my bottom line, Weston. I think the pandemic taught us a lot of lessons about remote collaboration. I think when we go back to the office, we're going to be reinventing ourselves in terms of hybrid collaboration. These aren't just burdens. It's not just a pain in the butt to overcome these. My point in telling you some of these uh, stories and techniques wasn't to just get you over the hump. I think it's an opportunity for us to really examine how do we work together? right? And is there a better way to work together in general? So it's not just a burden. I think it's a chance for us to kind of transform work. Well, what you're doing, Jim, I think is proof that it is possible to move to a hybrid model and have a productive, maybe even more productive meeting than we had in the quote old days where maybe everybody was in the room. So Jim, I just really want to thank you for your time here today. It's been excellent. Great. Uh, th again, thanks for having me, Weston. Uh, I, I hope that the listeners uh, find this valuable. I think they will. And to be honest, I, you know, we really, to our audience here, have only touched the, the tip of the iceberg. There is just so much more to learn about effective hybrid collaboration. So, Jim, uh, where is one place that you would like listeners to go if they want to get more information? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I think uh, right now on our mural blog, so it's blog.mural.co, a lot of the things that that we were talking about here, Weston, including an article on the five P's. So if you want to go out and learn more about the five P's, that's policy, practice, people, place, and products uh, is what I call it. Yeah, you can go out and, and learn about that more on our blog. Cool. Well, I will definitely include that in our show notes, as well as I think I can provide some links to uh, your latest books, uh, Mapping Experiences, and most recently, The Jobs to be Done Playbook. You have been listening here today to Jim Callback, author, a TED Talk speaker, chief evangelist at Mural, a company that's doing some very interesting things, as you've heard, to help us be more productive in a hybrid office. And I tell you, if you find this content to be helpful, useful in your work, it would mean a lot to me if you would rate it on your favorite podcast channel or post comments about it on LinkedIn or Twitter. This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.